0: Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the cloud 2030 podcast, the May 27th discussion was about service meshes or tried to be about service meshes because it turns out that when we started talking, we pulled into edge and the needs around edge infrastructure. And there are so many missing parts. the edge deployment systems that when we started talking about service meshes what we really realize is that the actual control plane communications grid and security for edge are not defined enough for us to layer on what has become sort of a standard in cloud deployments of service mesh into that discussion and while you might think rob you just ruined the, the whole thing how we got there how we discussed it and the components of why that's important is much more interesting than the conclusion itself. Uh, And this will be an ongoing topic as we go forward in the the future. We're gonna talk about microservices, uh, serverless, security, data, all those things are gonna be recurring topics for the Cloud 2030 team. I am happy to frame up the conversation about service meshes, sort of the refresh people's memory, but I'm also happy to yield if somebody else wants to uh, frame it. I know we have people who are more service meshy than I am. So,
1: yeah, I'm I'm not sure I know um, uh, or have enough of an opinion one way or the other to be the person starting that conversation either. But I would love I'd love to hear what everybody's um, thinking about relative to service mesh. In fact, what what's the opportunity, Rob, Rich? Tyler, anybody else who I can't see that's on the call right now um, in talking about um, the assumption of control plane requirements um, at the edge. Uh, a lot of the debate we have and maybe this discussion happened um, uh, you know, a couple of months ago when Sarvjeet was on a few times. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know that we've solved the question of, of the importance of a uniform control plane and or a control plane between edge and public cloud, and frankly, you know, I, I I could guess at why it's important, but I'm still not totally sold that some sort of uniform, you know, everybody uses the same control plane or has the same agenda for a control plane is is actually a requirement. But I, I, I'm am I'm a novice at best.
0: I I, I like the framing of. Um... Service Mesh versus control plane.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's funny because I've had some conversations lately where the, the whole discussion about edge control planes is really left out of a lot of the conversations that I hear about edge. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's funny. I don't think of service mesh as a control plane.
1: Well, I don't, I don't think I do either, but that's why I brought it up because I think the two get conflated occasionally.
0: I, I mean we we brought this up in the context of zero trust. It was actually how when when the reason this topic got on the list because it was a zero trust discussion. Um, yep. and being able to use service mesh as a way to have multiple services without a trust, you know, shared a shared trust infrastructure. John, did you want to
2: those are two separate issues that I don't think you should con- you should confuse the two.
1: Yeah.
2: You just just talked about three separate things. I did. You talked about control plane, right? Which is, you know, one aspect of it. And then control plane for what? Infrastructure, PaaS, SaaS. Service mesh is a control plane at a higher level in in the stack, right? I'd argue that. Um, Is there a control plane for provisioning infrastructure at the edge? No. Do we need a uniform one? Don't know. Right. And then you brought up zero trust, which is completely independent from service
3: mesh. Service well, actually, mesh, I, maybe I, one of, I might, I, I might, might argue with I think that. It's important that we make sure the terminology is right here. Yeah. Because yeah. my understanding of a service mesh is, it's basically a proxy sidecar for managing the communications and, and uh, control between microservices and a um, a <clears throat> control plane can mean much more. The service mesh is a subset of control plane at, at other layers of, of the stack. Um, so I, I think that, at least that's my understanding of the definition, right? I mean, um, somebody else- It is where you get confused, is service
2: meshes are also where they're implementing zero trust. Right, so in the Istio model, the that's where Sentinel comes in to basically apply identity to workloads, to endpoints and to actually implement zero trust. So there's there's a crossing of the two, but that's not the only place you could implement zero trust.
0: True. Well, yeah, um, so
3: using OpenShift in combination with Istio to implement zero trust is definitely things, you know, something that that folks are doing uh, but Istio is the service mesh. That's just one component of a larger uh, um, system architecture, right? I, is, is that what you're going for, John? Sorry, I was just trying
2: to I was trying to say, I think what you were trying to say, which is don't confuse Istio with zero trust. Yeah, right? absolutely. They're two discrete, discrete topics. And, and that the control plane is layered, and I think you said it, it's, it was a subset of a total control plane.
3: Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it would be an analogous thing to say would be is don't confuse zero trust with microservices architecture. Yep. Yeah.
2: And an edge control plane was a third topic, and I was just trying to break out. There was three very discrete things people talked about and edge control plane was something that really we hadn't found a solution to period.
0: I'm adding it to the backlog of topics, by the way.
1: We have a backlog, how are we gonna report this to the street? (laughs) (laughs) They'll just have to adapt to us.
0: I like it. I I, I
3: do think there's a lot of opportunity in developing a control plane for edge. That is is definitely a a place that is fertile ground for innovation. Um, You know, like what I'm doing with PrevOps is kind of tangential to that, but not directly uh, uh, focused on edge. And so that, you know, for those that don't know, just kind of the whole policy driven application reconfigurable application architecture so making policies part of your metadata strategy for the edge but, um, but there I mean it's it's like a whole field that hasn't been developed yet
0: right and I mean I guess when I think of the service mesh applicability here it's and then I do think there's a zero trust component um, we're and we have Zero Trust specifically slated, by the way, for June 10th as, a, as an additional thing. So we, we shouldn't get too tied up. Um, so, Rob, would you
3: would, would it be fair to say that Zero Trust is a driver for implementing service meshes as part of your
0: stack? As, um, as opposed to a I, component? So I would back up to the, the business problem that we're trying to solve in combining service mesh and zero trust, which is how do we commingle vendors, different vendors service offerings in a location? Like like that to me is where it becomes interesting. A lot of times service mesh right now is a single, is a single application stack where you've taken a application, broke it into multi, multiple services, and we've done microservice as a, as a captive way to improve development velocity. Is it, an opportunity though, especially on edge to co-mingle different vendors stacks of application.
3: Well, I think it's a great opportunity but it's not a service mesh. Okay. Like what, what you described as a service mesh I thought was very accurate. Um, the idea of commingling vendor Tools or vendor services is a, has a much more significant scope than the scope of a current service mesh, and it, and it That's includes correct. things like, um, uh, you know, you know, I always go to the data layer, right? You know, so what a, what a, how do you federate uh, data models between different vendor data models?
0: Joanne, go ahead.
4: Well, I think rich was before me.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
5: No problem. Um, My personal interest in service meshes really does focus on their role as a way of implementing zero trust security. They are not equivalent and I'm particularly interested in the way in which one can utilize service meshes inside of cloud native applications. In other words, this is kind of inside the perimeter among, you know, among microservices as a way of implementing zero trust kinds of pr- process between microservices in, that compose a cloud native application and use this notion that you know, we've used we used to have with network security about having um, white lists and authorization, authentication, and then um, the. It seems to me that a lightweight or a light touch using service meshes inside cloud native applications is exactly the way to do that it's a it's an approach that gets to a lot of the internal use of zero trust because we all know perimeters security at the perimeter doesn't work it won't work anymore right so it's very specialized and to your point rob it's a it's a topic for are I guess it's June 16th. So I, I think we need to set it aside. I think John is right and and Tyler is, is right to say that they're not equivalent. That is zero trust and and <laughs> and service mesh and the topic came up as a specific means of implementing zero trust. That was mostly it. Right so going back to your point and a Tyler's point service mesh as it's now defined either you know using Istio or or one of the other service meshes that kind of co cohabits along with some form of orchestrator orchestration doesn't by itself in my mind, solve your problem of a unified edge control. And so what you'd have to basically say is, what needs to be added to that? What aspects are we talking about comprise a unified edge management, operation, administration and management functionality? What's missing, let's, let's put it that way.
4: Um, I think that there's one good concrete example that could be used for service mesh that does incorporate many of the thoughts that have already been discussed. And that's with regard to IIoT and particularly with edge just because of the fact that these are service driven, they are communication backbone And the service mesh is responsible and does need a control plane uh, within the IIoT, because those applications take from the protocol upward in the stack. And whether you're combining Mm -hmm. protocols or separating those protocols as discrete services, the whole service mesh, that's the best example for it, because you could take SCADA, you could take MQTT, you could take any of the protocols plus the services that are driving the delivery of the messages and which need to be zero trusted, pardon me for using it as a verb, um, but must be delivered in a particular fashion, do need a policy, do need rules, and will run on edge devices, particularly in reference to some of the automakers that we've just heard results from that have been using edge technology like BMW. Yeah. We know that there's return. So that's the one concrete example that I could provide where it brings all of this together. Or, and or I you, think that's or, where the definition might have the best applicability, but not so much in, in other
0: kinds of microservices. Yeah, I, and I, cause I wanna clarify some of what you described to me sounds like a protocol or a pro- well, a protocol mesh is even beyond a traditional service like Istio style service.
4: Yeah, it, um, the fact that it has to involve one of what could be 20 different protocols, three different networking layers, mm-hmm. each of which is specific to a type of protocol and or packet and or message and or direction to and from, meaning the inceptor and receptor, all of those things. This is where I see service mesh fitting in really, really well as a broader definition and also to be instantiated on edge because that's where it's most applicable. And I, I, I brought this up only because that's the only place that I've seen irrespective of kubernetes and and ipsos and etc is where it actually is put into practice in a very significant and production oriented way i
0: i like what you're saying because it's to me it's a it's a better definition of what people seem to want service meshes to do it's not just a traffic load balancer it's actually right. a, a, it's actually a communications hub right?
4: yeah and and you need that for any kind of IIoT or IOT.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: It
5: it's more that it's it's actually a you, you really have to think of it as a network. I mean what a service mesh does, the way you the way you make use of APIs and, and a service mesh is a, as a network and as opposed to you know making changes to one API requiring Everybody to refactor the API to API mm-hmm. um, conversations. It is a it is a network. It's a it is kind of a bus. But yeah, I think that's really how you must think about service mesh, and then add to it whatever else you're thinking about, whatever. Um, Mark's thinking about regarding <coughs> con- administration and management at, at the edge, because it doesn't. It's a. It's a. It's a conveyance. It's not all of the. It's not the actual functionality that you're looking for. At oh, least I don't the, think it is. And hey guys, I got so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta run.
3: So. Um... This has been a great discussion. Uh, I will leave you with one thought though. Uh, Service mesh, I'm a little concerned about the terminology around it being like communication hub or network or something like that. I really think of it more as a uh, governance platform for microservices uh, where you can define, where you have tool sets for defining things like security policies. Uh, global namespaces and, and other things. It's that it really is more of governance rather than like a network, which implies the connectivity between these microservices. Um, so just just leave you guys with that thought. It's been a great discussion. Uh, I'll see you guys
0: next week. <laughs> Here's a hand grenade. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. See you all later. Thanks,
1: Tyler. <laughs> right, well done. You're Tyler. welcome, uh, uh, Tyler. Time. Where are the <laughs> eggs to throw in his picture?
3: Yeah,
2: I was, right, was going to throw eggs his way too. I mean, I, I think you guys are empowering service mesh way beyond what it is today, right? And, and so when you start looking at deploying a, a service mesh across multiple data centers, right? There's elements that don't even belong in the service mesh. Like, how do I even know where to route a, a request to? Which data center does it go to? how do I manage metrics beyond these things? There's a whole bunch of stuff we were building or looking to build to try and coordinate service meshes between multiple data centers that simply don't exist as part of a service mesh today. And and that includes things when you talk about trust that you come down to who's managing the identity, right? As as a starting point for those components because that's where policy is tied off of. And then there's a second component, you talk about IoT and those components, service meshes are a horrible solution for IoT messaging. They do not scale in that fashion, right? They are just way non-performant to deal with some of the IoT messaging buses and the requirements of those messaging buses, they're heavyweight. And so I think we need to be very careful Mm -hmm. about trying to wrap everything in the definition of a service message. You're trying to define an ecosystem for what you want Edge to look like. Right, So policy is a part of that identity is a part of that proximity routing is a part of that. How, how do we actually orchestrate microservices as a part of that right But all those things together are much bigger than people think of service meshes today and I think if you use the term service mesh, you're gonna sit at least me because I, I do a lot of service mesh stuff. <laughs> you're gonna you're, you're gonna have me looking crossways at you going like what are you talking about?
5: John, what do you what do you lay, what do you now use in your solutions? In addition to or on top of service mesh to accomplish some of the functions you were just describing.
1: Well, you have to like go identity
5: and so and so forth.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, so so yeah, the identity piece is what we've done in the past was it was not sufficient. You know, we relied on a single source of something like Keystone from OpenStack and then federated those across the planet, which has many holes in it. And then you know, it, it was an unsolved problem. Right? And one of the last conversations Mark and I sat in, um, in, in Shista and the topic of in identity came up and people were even afraid to tackle it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? True.
2: So we haven't fixed identity and that we're ready to assign policy to it yet. There is no non AWS back to the topic AWS versus GCP. Right now, they or Kubernetes are identity sources to it. And and if you look at any one of those identity things, they're having to basically bring in other identities because that's what the enterprise is using, right? Whatever their identity server is component to it. So there is no global identity service on which you can apply policy today that isn't specific to a technology stack or a vendor stack.
5: And the policies that you're referring to start in some sense with... um, Things like um, access controls.
2: It, they traverse all levels, right? So they, they're going to go anywhere from, if you want to talk about the apples on your network layers up to your servers and your nodes, what workloads are allowed to run on these mm-hmm. things. You know, microservices, they traverse the scheme of things. And if I look at someone like an Azure and I look at their security stack, right, they've done a great job of that. And the way it can organize, structure it, put these things together. And, and I give them, give them credit. (laughs) It was a very nice implementation to it. There's nothing like that in a um, non-proprietary vendor method today. right? So if you want to talk about building edge, right, it starts with the base of identity. And the other thing, pragmatically about control point and getting that was really out there. So some of these applications, uh, we talk about being dubbing to other people out here and, and we talk about these visionary types of where we think the edge is gonna get to between now and tomorrow, we have to find a way of deploying things at the edge that make economic sense. Right. And the cost of deploying edge today and the infrastructure deploying the networking, deploying the compute, and all the other stuff. It it didn't hit the business models and and to start addressing that, what the control plane started being is how do we virtually virtualize out the network plane. Right. If I can't afford to deploy you know, proprietary solutions, I have to virtualize out my control plane in order to hit economic points. And that becomes a new type of control plane that the edge is actually requiring out there. So I I think there's just a lot of topics in here. And if you want to talk about what should an edge compute control frame look like and what are the components of it? I think that might be a cleaner way of having a conversation around these things than trying to take service mesh as the proxy for it. I said if if you're in the service mesh world you're going to realize that there's just so many more things that are not in scope of service mesh today and you're going to realize there's problems it does solve and problems it absolutely does not solve
5: yeah hallelujah um but quick quick question to mark and to and to rob when you talk about the management the administration and management Mechanisms for edge. Are you considering interworking between domains, you know, managed by owned and operated and managed by different organizations altogether? Or are you talking about something that is kind of a well defined, has a well defined boundary?
1: Well, um, I'll, I'll go first, Rich. I. The question is is a perfect one and aligns with with um, a comment I was about to make, and that's that. Um, I want to make sure when we're talking about um, a control plane or or putting a service mesh or you know some sort of unified um, approach to management of um, globally distributed infrastructure, that we're talking about um, what infrastructure we're actually talking about. My my basic interpretation for. Being able to apply some of the stuff that we're talking about here, including a control plane, is that it's more applicable to a network that has um, synchronicity uh, and shareable services between locations, as in a cloud that has been distributed over many locations, rather than infrastructure in each location. Um, or what you know is is mostly being deployed today is distributed infrastructure. It's not. A distributed cloud, uh, and so are are the tools that we're talking about as necessary, regardless. And I just don't see that yet. I don't see are that you, in. Are you? Inside.
5: Yeah, I think my question was one level up. Are you talking about edge, you know, edge-oriented clouds that can, that are under independent management administration and management are you talking about the interworking of those or are you simply i don't want to say simply are your is your focus one of i have an authority uh, you know an organization that you know we'll call it a, an edge cloud i need to be able to manage and to administer and you know operate administer and manage this far flung set of things out there at the edge i'm sitting there in control center central watching it monitoring it managing it what have you are we are you talking about an interworking of edge clouds or are you are your is your focus right now strictly on i have authority over these. This is what I'm interested in making sure works. uh,
1: The the first one, the inner working of edge clouds, is more of a concern relative to this topic for longer term. Um, The short term is, if I want to put infrastructure in 100 places, um, why is a control plane important to that process um, and, I, and frankly, I just don't know enough about um, using a control plane to determine why um, if I have tools that allow me to manage the deployment of infrastructure, the deployment of apps, um, the updating of apps in remote locations, um, where does the control plane fix what I can do with each individual tool already? I mean, like, if, for instance, if I'm using Rob's tool, if I'm yeah. using Rob's platform to manage a distributed set of hardware in you know, hundred locations. Um, I don't know where a control plane fits in that. I don't even know that I need a control plane in managing that infrastructure. And yet I could provision a bare metal solution um, in hundred places, as long as I wasn't sharing resource between locations and doing time synchronization between each location for you know, for passing for services that are being passed from one place to another, why do I need those extra layers of services? Well,
2: you, you need to rob ah. stool, and, and Rob is a control plane.
0: Rob is, I, uh, <laughs> I, I am
2: a control plane, exactly. yeah. So, let, okay. let me we, throw but this, we're the, but
0: we're line. not, we're not a wait, wait, but 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 hold on a sec, because we're not a data plane,
1: right? Right,
0: that's fine, right? So, so we're not the the thing that service mesh. Creates and and maybe we're you know the, uh, we're so captivated by Istio that we're we're missing the the thing is that I can set up all these services, but once they start interconnecting and talking to each other and sharing information, right at that point, that's a data plane. That's that's when when I think of service mesh, I'm thinking about how like I can build a service and make it available, but I'm not in the middle of our packets flowing between these two services. And if I upgrade a, a service, how do I tell the new, you know, there's more capacity or, hey, you need to migrate your data flow to this new this new service that I just set up for you where the service is now actually in a different location and you better flow to that other location, right? There's local. And then there's also this idea, um, Rich, that you were getting to a little bit, which is um, distributed, actually, Byte distributed control planes, um, because I see that as a as a that's that's like two steps further in this. I'm I'm sorry, two two steps steps further from what you're from even even where we're discussing now. So the the idea that I can just create a a data, a data communications system between the services that I have running on that site. Um, is in itself an important step to making all those things work. Like, I can give you a control plane that'll set things up and make it all work and turn on the services. That looks great.
5: Actually that, connecting at those that, services. At that single edge
0: site. Uh, well, in a consistent way across multiple, across a distributed okay. federation of sites. Um, you, if you can't do one site well, then you're, you're lost. Yeah. I, so, I mean, there's, there's a distributed okay. edge and piece that builds on top of that. But nothing works if you can't do one understood um, but it's, but then know. once they're once they're running actually handling the communication across those systems is super important because most yeah. most of these services are not suited to the dynamic nature of actually running what those sites are that's why we have these service meshes
5: and what mechanism do we now see for microservices whether they're considered to be Components of a single application, or whether they are themselves kind of independent actors talking to somebody, some other microservice, mm-hmm. what what are the means by which they communicate both mm-hmm. control information and data? The control information, the request, the, the, the chatter between them is today APIs and you know for, for all intents and purposes and then your point is fine having once done the controls that part of the the, the chatter what are the mechanisms by which data is actually moving from one point to another is that what
0: you're saying or it's the these services and by design they're not that smart about their environment so these sort services of being the the services that we're deploying in these locations are are right by ideally they're pretty narrowly defined so they don't yeah. they don't what you know they would want to be able to say i am a you know you can connect to me and i'll give you this data here's my i'm registering here as a source for this data and uh, you know i'm going to talk to the registry and find out where i can consume other pieces and you you just in, you
5: just identified a major issue. I was waiting for one, either you or John to mention registries, (laughs) because along with identity, you know, registry takes a broader view there. So the notion of registries among this community of of
0: actors is a big factor. Again, we don't have a... a, We we can hardly figure out DNS in in these remote (laughs) locations, right? Dynamic DNS is absolutely critical for anything right you can't even do certificate Tls certificates without a, a, a verifiable DNS in these instances um, and so you know yeah it's that's that's this is where you're right I mean maybe maybe we need to be talking about registries and DNS and and because uh, that's such an essential component for trust in making a service mesh work
5: yeah I I think that is exactly the, the point there are there's functionality. Whether you come into it with a um, with an attitude, with a with a bias as to how or what tool to use, the functionality needs to be kind of called out. And you've identified. You've, you know, John's talked about identity, and the, it's mac- and how we have to deal with how we might have to deal with it. You've just made. The, the reference to registries. And I think that is going to be a
1: big issue. Could, could something like um, NATs play a role in, in uh, identity mm-hmm. management between sites and identity validation, if nothing else? Encrypting the source, guaranteeing the source?
2: Um, okay, well, Nicholas, again, there's different models. I went down mm-hmm. a totally different path. Yeah, (laughs) I was following Jacobson's work on this stuff and and there's totally different security models that we use today. Um, And I was following some of the stuff they used in main data networking where you authenticate the content, you don't authenticate endpoints because endpoints are fundamentally flawed. Um, And and so, and and by the way, I'd I'd argue some of the zero trust stuff today is fundamentally flawed. Um, But I would throw out a totally different topic. I, I think when you talk about control planes at the edge, Um, I'm really, in my mind, the most practical outcome, and I'm probably completely wrong, is that the control plane becomes a household or it becomes an enterprise office, right? It's going to be managed by an organization and and or individuals, and then they're going to be consuming services outside, right? So I've kind of made the automation before. Maybe the Xbox becomes the control plane is the most powerful processor in the house. That becomes the IoT hub inside of the home. Right. But but the notion that someone's going to manage the houses is, I think, difficult. I think it's much more logical that the market's going to follow into a second a particular product set family. That becomes a control plane at a level like a house that may be extended out to something like an apartment complex. And then services get consumed out of that. So I I think in my mind in the past, one of the flaws I think I've had is thinking of this as kind of this north to south thing. We're so used to being controlling the component at this edge, managing a whole bunch of little things down below. What if the models are reverse? What if it's a bunch of little things at the edge, which may get angry over time, requesting things upward?
5: Yeah. And and the home automation folks kind of have to almost by by definition, have to kind of start from that very, that, that very same point of view. Um, uh, it It then ends up going back to one of these other topics, Rob, that you know what what are our assumptions about the the mega companies and and everything that they're they're responsible for because oh yeah, they're going to be they're going to be the folks to whom you go. They're going to be the you know the the Azures and the active directories and
0: the amazons and and their various parts of this. Uh, this is actually, you're right. I mean, Microsoft's lock on Active Directory is stunning from that perspective. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's, you know, especially with all the, the new highlights on security that are coming in, um, having Auth Z, Auth N, uh, this was actually one of the topics in our, in our, in our subtopics list, right? Auth Z, Auth N is the key in how all these services work. The thing, one of the things that you had said that I was thinking about was, you know, TLS. But just using regular certificate encryption, you could secure communications between two points by doing a, a trusted key pair between those two encryption points. I don't know if you, I actually presented something like this at Glucon back in the early Kubernetes days, mm-hmm. where we were generating certificate pairs per, commu- per service that we would have to communicate, Um And then you can trust. You can use that as a way to create virtual tunnels and things like that, because only the only the two people with the the keys can decrypt it. I bring all that stuff up because at some point, it's all of these communication paths have to have some some trust, some auth z auth n. Who's doing it? Do I trust them? Right? What's what's the communication? Um, And I don't know how we make that stick without some major player, providing the um, ubiquitous component for it. Um, Yeah. Even even if, well,
5: you've got alternatives like kind of a a collaborative or cooperative the way DNS is governed, Mm. but there's an argument that that's not going to, that's that's not sufficient, or it's not agile enough, or not responsive enough.
0: Well, VM. Uh, one of the reasons VMware took off so much is because everybody started counting on it as sort of that base layer in your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, we, we you know we started the conversation about Eucalyptus because you know potentially some AWS service clone um, or you know authentication could become the that layer that we depend on. Um, John,
5: actually, John, what do you count on with respect to some of these, this functionality? Do you, in your solutions, kind of defer to and and find yourself relying on an Azure or an AWS offering? No, I mean, we... we (laughs)
2: We, we struggle to be cloud diagnostic, right? Which means we have to build stuff when we go into it, and so Kubernetes back to some policy, some identity, some other components onto it. Um, but now we're working on um, something different, right? So we we basically are building software out of blocks. Blocks are discoverable, right? And So, so imagine I want to go find some block that does W three logging, right? I I want to know. I don't give a to how I found that, what I want to know is that I can verify the author, I can verify the contents that has been right. uh, not tampered with. And, and so that, it's a very different level. Don't trust the network at all. Right. So you, you
5: discovery, so, discovery is one, trusted discovery is another one of those big function functions absolutely. that you want to make sure is available to you in a, in an edge management
2: um in any management, right? I mean, sure. I think the problem is, can I verify I, I know the network can be compromised, right? Even with TLS, at some point in life it gets de-encrypted to proxy through things. Um, someone could compromise the man in the middle of it. But at the end of the day, what I want to know is that the content I got can be authenticated and that it hasn't been tampered with.
0: Exactly. And I'm I want to give you all a fair warning. I'm gonna to have to st- Stop right on time today because I have another meeting that's going to need my my bridge. Um, in that perspective, I actually i I feel like we've talked talked around this topic for you know forty minutes. This feels like you know, like we're stomping on cockroaches on this, which is typical for real. When I think when we have a real edge conversation, I feel like this is exactly the, the challenge that we have with edge conversations. It's like, okay, I need a control plane. I need a data plane. I need an auth system. I need a service registry. I need, um,
5: so I think you start with the, the question of who's the consumer, who's the user. Is it yeah. a, is it the edge cloud management per the the person or persons responsible? Is it someone else in in a community that that forms where does where does consumption of this functionality actually take place and does it all reside in one spot or is it a you know is it a composite and one would argue that at least in some ways it is a composite there's somebody who owns the Owns the data center floor on which the um, you know the the equipment runs, and it moves up.
4: So it's the whole opinionation problem. Edge has a lot more purpose-driven, uh, a lot more different purpose-driven things than even the data center in the cloud. So uh each different solution is has got to be opinionated to work for that particular uh perspective of the verticals so and i think in some way john has the hardest problem because he has to make all of those different verticals work
1: well yeah, I, I agree with that i think uh, and- Anyway. Rich, the perspective rich pers- described and the one you just did uh, rocky are are um the hard part about edge and to rob's point about chasing cockroaches because the minute you step on a cockroach somebody says well that's not the specific cockroach i was talking about
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: well i hope
0: you enjoyed this discussion we want you to be a part of it there are so many things to discuss. We're building up a schedule, uh, weeks long and super deep. So please join us at the2030.cloud. Uh, join us in these regular conversations, look at the schedule, find out what's interesting, or even better, come with your own ideas about what you wanna talk about. And uh, we wanna hear from you. I'm looking forward to hearing, seeing you there and uh, letting us know what you think. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.